0: Welcome to Real Women. I'm Michelle McLean. Several years ago, I was leading a fundraiser to help someone in need when a friend of mine approached me about helping. Now, as I listened to how she can help out, I heard a bit of a catch. And I guess I'll just say I was a little taken aback. There was something that she was hoping to gain in helping in this particular scenario. Now I love my friend and I know she was so willing to help out and always had that heart to serve others. And it wouldn't have been a big deal for her to have a potential gain if what she asked didn't oppose what we were trying to achieve at the fundraiser. Now make no mistake about it, the fundraiser wasn't about her or me, it was about helping somebody else. Now while I desperately needed the help, I had to unfortunately decline her particular offer. My friend unfortunately grew a little angry with me, decided not to help at any capacity, and eventually terminated the friendship. It was very sad, and it was really unfortunate, but it became quite clear that my friend's motivation was not singularly focused on others. She had some mixed motives. In today's message of our prayer series, Seven Ways to Intensify Our Prayer Life, we're going to discuss our motives and how they matter in our prayer life. Now, if you missed previous messages in this series, be sure to give them a listen. Download message notes at www.reawomanofgod.com under the resources tab. Be sure to subscribe to the email list for special free printable prayer journal. Now, last message, we spoke a little bit about that purging prayer, and it was about sin and the need for repentance. Because sin originates in the heart and we're all born into sin, it's important that we consider our heart and our motives. Now, at the core of every human lies a heart where every thought, desire, and belief is weighed. God values our heart and our motives. In fact, the Bible mentions heart over 800 times. What we hold in our heart becomes our beliefs, our words, and our actions. Those wrong motives leads to wrong behavior. Now, James 4, 2 through 4 tells us, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteress, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, to break this verse out a bit, let's just look at that opening line. It affirms that we need to go to God with our petitions or our prayer request. But the big problem, of course, that is simply stated, if we ask with the wrong motives, we will not receive. In our prayer life, we are always asking God. So this is important. Listen up. To be clear, our wrong motives are those desires of our hearts that are not in alignment with God's word or his will. Our desires are not in alignment. As indicated in the passage, the concern is that one might spend said prayer on pleasures, or as the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, the evil desires. Now in this day and age, just like in the time of James writing, everyone is trying to live their best life, you know, basically go out, have fun and show it off on social media, right? Pleasures in that time were very similar as in this time. People have been seeking pleasure, money, sex, power, status, and thrill-seeking since the beginning of time. Out of balance or out of God's will, these things lead to destruction. These things are temporal, earthly things. They bring a short-term false happiness, but not that eternal, real joy. They're not life-giving or sustaining pursuits. God calls this out by saying, you adulteress," meaning you're so unfaithful. God sees a cheated relationship between Heavenly Father and Child of God if we pursue the world and the fleshly things instead of His things. A friendship with the world means that our values are tilted towards seeking you know, designer clothes, the newest iPhone, the great job promotion, obsession over that beautiful home, or just that Instagram-worthy vacation adventure. It might be seeking lots of social media influence or trying to be woke in this ever-changing world. Basically, it's being of this world instead of being in it. Anything we focus on intently, worry about excessively, or dream endlessly of can be an idol because it's coming before God. Living in those ways is in direct opposition to what God calls for us. God cares about our motives and calls us to live differently. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing only comes from God. We are to seek and think and value and operate completely differently than the world around us. The world around us is under the influence of the ruler of the air, as Ephesians 2.2 says. Satan seeks to lure people away from God's design by showing us ways we can glorify ourselves instead of God. He's constantly telling us that it feels good, it's fun, it's right, you know, there's so much to gain from this. The world tells us to be independent, while God says, depend on me. You know, the world says to seek self identity and elevate self. Why God says, I made you and I know who you are. Elevate me and find your true identity and everything wonderful about you. The world says, build up earthly treasure. Why God says, store up eternal fortune. The world says, build up self. God says, build up others and you will be great. And the world says, to live your best life. And God says, live your life for me and the best is stored up in eternity for you. Satan is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. The world is on a quick path to destruction, and we need to consider our hearts and motives and what we're doing with them. Our wrong motives reflect the condition of our heart. God had some things to say about man's motives. Proverbs 16, 2 reads, All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. We tend to think that we're right or justified or good. We've even changed the real meaning of the word. But humans have a very different ambition than God does. God knows and understands our deepest thoughts. He knows our sinful ways and twisted hearts, and there's no hiding from him. First Chronicles 28.9 says, The Lord searches the hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. I don't know about you, but yikes, right? God knows our hearts and our motives. There's no hiding from him. And the thing that should bother this more than anything is that we're held accountable for our motives. First Corinthians four, four through five says, the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before that time, but wait until the Lord who comes will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of man's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. God brings light to the darkness of our innermost desires. He examines our motives. Friends, I speak of these things, not because I've been perfect, but because I've lived out a lot of this. You know, I spent many years of my life selfishly desiring more. I wanted more stuff, more opportunity, more independence, just more, more, more. And God allowed me to go down that road for a little bit. I had a lot of what I desired, and I wish I could tell you that it solved all my problems, but as you can imagine, it just didn't. With these selfish desires came a nearly insatiable appetite for more. I became addicted to pleasure, and I spent money on so many silly things. I was miserable, hurting, and still just had so many hardships. I didn't know what was best for me, but God did, and He allowed me to experience that life for just a little bit until He finally spoke to my heart and He showed me who I was, what I was doing, and how I was hurting. He showed me what to focus on and how to have faith in Him, to forgive the past and seek Him with all of my heart. While I had been baptized at the age of 12, I'm not so sure I was saved. I'm not sure I fully understood what I needed to do to be saved. I had basically given over to my sin and I was still seeking the world and everything that it wanted of me. When God spoke to my life, he challenged me to give up the things I was desiring. I did. In that hard time, I finally confessed my sins, turned away from them and accepted Jesus as my authority and my life. I submitted to him and I asked for his help to guide me to live to glorify him. When we repent of our sin and accept Christ as our Lord, we're given the Holy Spirit to indwell within us and that spirit serves as our seal of redemption for eternal life, and gives us guidance in how to live and respond. We're made a new creation when we submit to Jesus, and our desires become to live and serve our master. I thankfully did repent, accept Jesus as Lord, and willfully gave up that life to pursue God. I didn't need the world to be happy or feel fulfilled. When we consider our motives, we need to ask ourselves a few questions to see where our heart is and do a heart check. You know, We might ask, why do I want this? Why do I, what do I intend to do with it? Or what will it benefit me? Will it benefit others or violate them in any way? How will it benefit God? Am I focusing on this more of the time that I'm praying or reading the Bible or focusing on God's desires for me? Does it oppose anything written in the word of God or collide with the will of God? Will having this bring me closer to God or further away from Him in any respect? We need to take pause often and hold up our desires to the Lord and ask Him if they're healthy and worth pursuing. If we find that we don't want to do that or we're avoiding asking these questions then our answer is probably already before us. If we want to intensify our prayer lives, chances are it's because we need something. Maybe we know that we need a deeper relationship with God, or maybe oftentimes we're just going to God because we have needs or petitions. And that's a good thing. We need to be going to God for our needs. The Bible speaks of petitioning God in many ways in very many places throughout the Bible. In Jesus' model prayer in Matthew 6, he petitions the Father in verse 9 through 11, saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Now, Jesus began his prayer acknowledging God, then asking for his needs. There are many places in the Bible in which we're encouraged to petition God. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And um, Colossians 4, 2 says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. And we can ask anything according to his will. He hears us, as First John five fourteen says. So when we go to God, we need to pray for our needs, like our food, water, health, or a home. Praying for the necessities in life is very purposeful. God is, after all, our loving and caring Father in heaven. He desires good for us, and he's our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Petitioning God for our needs demonstrates our dependence on God and faith in his goodness. We can also rightfully go to God for requests that go beyond those basic needs, those desires we might want to have. In balance, these requests are fine. God's granted many such requests throughout the Bible for those asking, but it's important to note that these same people had a relationship with God. They knew of who God was, his will, his ways, and his ultimate authority. They submitted to God. So when reviewing those verses, did we pay close attention to the encouragement and the advice that goes with it? There's a right way and a wrong way to a petition God. These verses indicate seeking God's will be done. Or they say with thanksgiving, showing that we need to express gratitude. They acknowledge they're praying for the Lord's will. There's a lot of verses that indicate having a right relationship with God regarding our sin as we discuss in that purging prayer message. If we consider David's heart for God, we can better view a heart with the right motives. He says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord; trust in him, and he will do it." Now, David would said to be a man after God's heart, and delighting in the Lord, he becomes our focus and our innermost desire. Committing our ways to him means that we're living for him instead of pursuing our own selfish ambitions. Trust is imperative as we learn to trust him as we get to know him better and better. So the second point is, we need to seek God first in our petitioning prayers. That's the right and pleasing way to, to pray those petitions. There's a balance to petitioning God for our needs, working and living a pers- purposeful life, and also resting in his provisions. Once I began submitting my desires to the Lord, my prayers turned into, Lord, help me want what you want and love what you love. Align my heart with your will. Help me know what to pursue. Take away the desires in my life that are not of you. Life is not perfect, nor am I, but I'm in a place of peace now, and I constantly hold up my plans and passions up to the God in heaven and ask him, is this right for me? Is this right for others? It does get easier, and it gets easier to hear what God says to me. I want to encourage you in this time to consider your heart and your approach. I want your prayers to be heard. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that today and reach out in God and faith send me a message for a prayer request, or reach out to a trusted believer. To wrap things up today, we must remember our wrong motives are the desires of our hearts that are not in alignment with God's word or His will. God cares about our motives and calls us to live differently, and we need to seek God first in our petitioning prayers. When we do this, we intensify our relationship with God and we welcome God into our our lives to hear our prayers. I look forward to catching up with you next time as we discover how to pray in the spirit. So don't miss it. In the meantime, like and share this message with friends. Drop me a message for a prayer request and find Real Women with Michelle on social media. Download that prayer journal and get to talking with God. He wants to hear from you. Now I'll close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we know... That you know the desires of our hearts and first and foremost God we want those desires to be for you today we open up our hearts for you to examine us reveal the things that are holding us back and the things that are not of you show us the futility in pursuing the world's ways and how it affects our lives create in us a pure heart and a steadfast spirit Lord I pray for the woman today who is searching and struggling I pray she lean into you and know that you are God and I pray for the woman seeking to know who she is in this crazy world I ask, Lord, that she finds her deepest and truest identity as a child of God. God, I pray for the woman who is unsure of her salvation, that she is opening her heart wide open to you and submitting to your lordship and repenting. God, I thank you for being our loving father. Thank you for hearing our prayer and providing a way to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, I will see you next time. In the meantime, read your Bibles, ladies. It's the best source of truth in this world. Bye-bye.